Well, good morning. We're glad you're with us today, whether you're worshiping with us in, on site in person or whether you're worshiping with us online at home. Uh, happy Father's Day. We're glad you're with us. And um, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and let us be glad in it. We're going to continue the sermon series we kicked off a few weeks ago entitled The Unseen World. And if you're new with us today, let me catch you up real quick with a kind of a, a general idea of the premise of the series. The, the idea is that there is an unseen world described in Scripture. It's, it's an unseen world. It's a spiritual reality, a spiritual realm uh, that, uh, that we can't see. It's beyond our physical and material world. And, and there's this battle going on in the spiritual realm. And the stakes are very, very high. And, and what's going on in that spiritual realm has profound inf- implications for what goes on in our seen world, the world in which we live. And in this unseen world, there are spiritual beings. There are beings that are, that are aligned with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're, they're angels. They're forces of good, forces of light. And they stand for beauty and love and grace and mercy and truth and redemption. And they want the best for us. There, on the other side, there's these forces of evil. They're aligned with Satan. They're aligned with, uh, with these forces of, of, of darkness, uh, the demons. And they want to destroy us. They want to distract us. They want to distort God's truth. They want to pull us away from God and his plans and purposes for us. Now, that's a little bit scary. Um, but, but there were also a couple of things we need to remember. One is, is we're told in the scriptures that our true enemies are not other people. We can sometimes think that in the world in which we live, right? Especially with everything going on in our world, everything's so heightened. Uh, but our true enemies, the scripture tells us, they're not people who are different from us, who look different, who think different, who vote different, who believe different things, who live in different places. But they are people, but they, but our true enemies are, are these, for, these forces of evil, of Satan and his principalities and his powers, as we heard in the passage that I'm going to read in just a second here. But um, we're also reminded in, this, in, that in the last couple of weeks that, that Jesus Christ has won the victory. As believers in Jesus Christ, we don't have to be afraid because Jesus Christ has won the victory and broken the power of Satan, sin and death on the cross and through the empty tomb, through the resurrection. And this, this last week, we looked at some of Satan's schemes, our primary enemy. We looked at some of the schemes and ploys and strategies that he uses against us. And we saw how Jesus, when he was tempted by Satan, three separate times in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus is in the desert, he's tempted three separate times. And Satan comes at Jesus and tries to get Jesus to meet a, a very legitimate need in an illegitimate and sinful way. And Jesus sees right through this. And he responds with scripture. The sword of the spirit is called in, in this passage. The sword of the spirit. He, he responds with scripture. He speaks God's truth. He stands upon God's promises and Satan flees. So let's take a look at this passage from Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 18. We kicked off the sermon series with the first few verses of this. This week, we're going to pick up uh, a few other verses and delve into some of the resources that God has made available to us in this spiritual battle. Ephesians chapter six. Verse uh, 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. (laughs) Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For a struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the spiritual, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place 
and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I played a, a lot of baseball in the summer. Uh, and um, I, I, I loved baseball. I played other sports, but baseball, I just really enjoyed it. Um, and maybe because on, I grew up on a farm. And so if I had a game or a practice, I had, I had a little bit of an excuse to get away for at least for a couple hours and kind of be with my friends and, and compete. And the position I played the most, I played a lot of positions, but the one I kind of settled into as I got older was was catcher. And I loved being a catcher. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I think I liked it so much because I was always involved in the action. You know, you're you're almost every play when you're on the field, you were you were catching, you were throwing, you were framing pitchers, pitches, you were calling pitches, you were talking to the ump, you were talking to the other to the other team's batters, try to get in their head and in a nice way, of course, you know. And so I just loved being a catcher. But but before I went out at the beginning of every inning, I had to do a couple things, right? I had to get prepared. I had to put on my catcher's equipment. So, you know, the chest protector, the face mask, the shin guards, make sure that you have your, your catcher's mitt, get everything together, and then you walk out to begin the inning. But once in a while, you know, you'd be the, you'd be the next batter. You'd be you know, in, in, in the hole and you're waiting, and there was a third out, so you had to rush back in and put your equipment on and rush back out in the field because everybody's waiting on you. And once in a while, not often, you'd forget, oh, I, I need to grab this or that. And so you'd have to go back and put it on because they wouldn't start because each piece of equipment was designed to, to keep the catcher safe, to protect them, and to help them be as effective as possible when they were on the field. Well, spiritually speaking, God has given us spiritual equipment. It's called spiritual armor here by the Apostle Paul. And, and we are to put it on and use it each and every day as we go into life, as we go onto the field. And it's designed to keep us safe. It's designed to keep, protect us. And it's designed to help us be effective as followers of Jesus Christ. As the old American Express uh, credit card commercial used to say, don't leave home without it. So let's take a look now at a couple. We're gonna not, not going to look at all of the pieces of armor today, but we are going to look at the first couple ones. And they're, they're linked together. The first is the belt of truth. Paul says, stand firm then. And you notice he says stand firm over and over. Stand firm, stand, stand. So there's something we can do. We can take a stand. We can stand firm with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now, why is this so important? Well, as we saw last week, one of Satan's main strategies, in fact, in fact, it's one of his, his titles, is, is to deceive. He is the deceiver. Jesus said in John 8, he is the father of lies. And if his lips are moving, then he's lying. And Paul tells us that we must begin by knowing the truth. By bringing our lives in line with that truth. Truth, in other words, is the first line of defense against the attacks of Satan. Because Satan cannot stand the truth. And Satan cannot stand against the truth. The truth of who Jesus Christ is. The truth of what he's done for us on the cross. The truth of what he's done for us in the resurrection. The truth of who we are in Christ. The truth of God's word. Satan cannot stand against truth. And so we are to stand firm in the truth against Satan's lies. Now, a belt, what does a belt do? It kind of holds things together, right? It keeps your, keeps your pants up. It keeps your, your, your shirt tucked in. It kind of holds things together. It's the center of things. 
And, and that's what truth does. It, it holds us together. It, it centers our thoughts. It, it, it manages our emotions. It, it informs our motivations. Truth is to be our foundation as followers of Jesus Christ. But we don't just need one thing. Paul tells us that there's a second piece of armor that's linked very closely to the belt of truth. It's the breastplate of righteousness. Paul writes, Stand firm, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, now the image that Paul uses here, it's, it's not too hard to picture or understand, right? In, in Paul's day, there would have been Roman soldiers and uh, his readers would have un- understood instantly what this meant. You know, they would, these, these soldiers, they would put on a, a breastplate. Uh, it was a layer of, of really tough leather or metal or maybe both combined, and they would put it on to protect their vital organs. It would go from their neck to their thigh. And there's usually two pieces, one on the front and one on the back, sort of almost like a, like a, like a, a you know, uh, those uh, ninja, those mutant ninja turtles, is that what they're called? So something on the back and something on the, on the, on the front to protect them. And um, Paul says, it's, it's interesting he, that he brings about this breastplate so early on because I think it shows us something about where Satan is prone to attack us when he comes against us. He, he comes after our hearts. And when you think about spiritual attacks, I mean, we often think of, you know, the things you see in the movies, like lights going on and off, or you walk into the room and it's cold, or you see a shadow, or you hear something, or doors open and close. But, but Satan attacks us. Most often he will attack us by going after our hearts and, yes, our minds as well. And what is the heart in the scriptures? The heart in the scriptures represents our, our inmost being, the essence of who we are. Uh, it's the seat of, of our thoughts and, and motives and, and emotions. And this is how we can expect him to attack. He will attack our thoughts. He will attack our thoughts. He will try to entice us to to think wrong thoughts about ourselves, about, about God, about other people, even about, about him. And if he can twist our thinking, then he can poison our relationships, most especially with God, and lead us into error or sin. Satan will also attack our, our motives. He will try to, to get us to do the right thing for the wrong reasons. He will try to capture us at the level of our desires so that we want the things that God doesn't want. And if he can get us to desire anything more than we want God, then he's got our hearts and he's turned us into idolaters. Satan will also attack our our emotions. Our emotions are a great gift from God, but they are also an area that Satan can attack. He can use our emotions to draw us away from God. You know, our moods, they, they don't come from nowhere, right? They come from something that we believe. Some deep level, our emotions reflect something that we believe about ourselves, about God, about other people. So when when we're angry or when we're discouraged or depressed or anxious or self-pitying or fearful or irritable, it is likely that we, it's because we're believing something very specific about our world the way things are supposed to work, about ourselves, about, about God. He can use our emotions as a means of, of sowing seeds of doubt about God's love and goodness. And so the heart is the essence of who we are, and we must guard it. Um, 
Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your hearts. It's the wellspring, the source of life. So this is why we need this breastplate of righteousness to guard our hearts. So first, what is the breastplate of righteousness? And then how does it guard our hearts? So let's define righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness, when you boil it down, it means a right standing before God. A right relationship through right standing before God. Uh, and and <laughs> in other words, we can look, look at this is, is, is this breastplate of righteousness. It's Jesus' righteousness given to us through faith in him when we trust in him. So the best defense against Satan is to remember that when we become a follower of Jesus Christ, when we put our trust in Jesus, we are pardoned, we're forgiven, and we are justified, made right because of what Jesus has done for you and me on the cross. And that's really important for us to understand and believe because one of the ways that Satan will attack us, along with deception, is, is that he accuses us. He's known as the accuser. Like, what, you sinned again? I can't believe you did that. You said you were going to stop that. You're no good. God can never love someone like you. He accuses us. He accuses our hearts. Revelation 12:10 calls him the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them day and night before God. He's constantly accusing us. He loves to point out our flaws, our sins. And here's the thing. He's got a point. <laughs> he's he's kind of right, isn't he? And we're sinners. I don't know about you, but I've got a lot of flaws that he can point out. And he's right. And when Satan attacks us this way, we need a righteousness that that doesn't come from us as our primary defense. Because if we try to argue and rebut Satan in his lies and his accusations, looking at at, at the quality of our, our lives and our goodness, we're doomed. As one preacher said, our integrity at its best is but as wax before the devil. And a wax shield is just not going to cut it when he throws those fiery arrows that Paul writes about. In fact, the more you grow as a Christian, the more aware you are that you have no righteousness of your own. And the more you grow in your faith, the more you know that your own righteousness is no defense before Satan. So what do you do? You put on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, I want to illustrate this using one of uh, my favorite stories from, from Zechariah chapter 3. Um, and Zechariah, he's, he's got a vision. And in this vision, Joshua, who is the high priest of the people of Israel, he's in heaven. He's standing before God. And what you need to understand is that the, is the high priest, he would only go into the Holy of Holies before God one day a year. The Day of Atonement. And, and, and to, to, before the day of atonement, the, the high priest, Joshua in this case, they would take several days, sometimes weeks, to prepare themselves for this day to ensure that they were cleansed and ready to stand before God as representative of their people. But look what happens when Joshua, the high priest, comes before God here in Zechariah 3. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. <laughs> And Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. 
So remember now, Zechariah sees Joshua appear before God after weeks of preparations, of spiritual exercises, spiritual disciplines. He's trying to get right and get ready to represent the people before God. And Satan is there to accuse him. And we read, Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. In the original language, it says he's, clothed in, he's in clothes that are covered with, with excrement. So this is not good. It's a picture of how we must look to God as we come before him in our righteousness. Despite all our spiritual exercises and disciplines and, and all our good deeds. And so Joshua, he's there on the Day of Atonement, but there's a big problem because he's unclean. And Satan is there to accuse him. And it's going to be a disaster. Listen to what happens when Satan gets ready to accuse Joshua. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the Lord clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. Now, I, I love this, this, this picture here. Before Satan can even speak and accuse, and he would have been right in doing so, the angel says, Take off these filthy clothes. And the angel says, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. God strips away Joshua's uncleanness, and he provides clothes that he could never provide for himself. He's, he's reclothing God's presence. He's given a turban, which at the time would have signified royalty. And he comes before God covered with, with excrement, even in his best efforts. And in God's presence, he's given, he's given pure garments, robes of righteousness as a sign that God accepts him and accepts his people. And this is a great picture of what God does for us. It's a great picture of, of the righteousness that is given to us by faith in Jesus Christ that can be our defense when Satan comes after our hearts. And he will come after our hearts. God has taken away our filthy clothes and clothed us with a righteousness that is not from our own. 2 Corinthians 5.21 puts it this way, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So when Satan comes to accuse us and we realize we have no righteousness of our own to defend us, we can remind Satan that we are clothed in the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. There was, there was no place that Satan could accuse Jesus. Nothing he'd done wrong. No weakness. And so when Satan comes to accuse us, we can simply tell him, I have been pardoned, I have been cleansed, and I have been perfected. Jesus has given me his righteousness. And when that happens, Satan cannot attack Jesus' righteousness. And when we put on a breastplate of righteousness, he can't pierce it to get through to our hearts. So, so let, me, let me ask you this. Have, have you done this? Have you 
you, you will not stand against the attacks of Satan if you're trusting in your own goodness, your own righteousness. Have you looked to Jesus Christ for the, the righteousness that only he can provide? Is that your defense against the attacks of the evil one? You say, yeah, I, I understand it mentally. But, but the problem is so often we can understand something here, but it doesn't really work itself to here and work itself out into our lives. It's possible to have trusted in Christ and to functionally live as it all depends upon you. That's a recipe for failure in the Christian life. We, we, in a sense, need to preach the good news to ourselves each and every day. And that's what Paul means when he says, put on the, the breastplate of righteousness. We must remind ourselves that we don't stand before God based on our own record. We stand firm because we are in union with Jesus Christ. We stand because of the work that Jesus Christ has done for us that cannot be undone and will not be undone. We can stand firm with courage and confidence. So, back to the belt of truth for a minute. Remember, it's like a, it's a belt that holds everything in place, and, and, and without it, other things start to fall into disarray. And so what Paul is saying is, is, is that the truth, in a way, is, is, cru- is crucial as we put on the rest of the armor. What is that truth? It's the truth about who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for you and for me. We need to stand firm with that truth when Satan comes against us. One preacher uh, illustrates how this plays out. Tim Keller illustrates how this plays out in our lives. For instance, he says when we're bitter or disappointed, it's usually because we're trusting in something that has not worked out for us. We're looking to something other than Jesus to cover us, to show that we're okay. We're looking to our career or accomplishments or relationships with others to give us what only Jesus Christ can give us. And he says when we're bitter, we need to repent of making something else our own way of salvation other than Jesus to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Or say when, when we're guilty, and we're all going to feel guilty at some point, and sometimes there's a good guilt, right, that can make us uh, for, uh, repent and get things right with God or others, but there's a wrong type of guilt that accuses us and causes us to doubt God's love for us. To say that because we've sinned, we're unworthy. It accuses us and puts us down. And when that happens, we can, we can say to Satan, you're insulting the completeness of what Jesus Christ has done for me. His righteousness. Go ahead and insult me. Tell me I deserve to be rejected. I already know that. But don't you dare tell me I'm unworthy, that I'm not worthy of going before the Father because what that is doing is saying that Jesus' righteousness isn't sufficient for me. Or when you're self-conscious, when you feel inadequate, when you feel like you don't measure up, then it's a good sign that you're not trusting in this breastplate of righteousness. And if God says you are okay and you're accepted in Jesus Christ, then who cares what anybody else thinks? Who needs the approval of the servant when you have the approval of the king? Sometimes our, our own conscience can condemn us when it shouldn't. First John 3.20 says, Whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. So remind yourself that you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ and you can stand firm. 
So what do I want you to do with this this morning? Well, I want you to put on the breastplate of righteousness to protect your heart with the righteousness that Jesus Christ has given to you. Not your own righteousness, but his given to you. And when he attacks your heart, you can stand firm with the belt of truth. The truth of what Jesus Christ has done and what he's doing for you, what he will do for you, you can stand firm. So take up the whole armor of God that you will be able to stand in the evil days and having done all else to stand firm. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for your, your word. And we thank you um, that you have not less left us to our own devices and resources because, Lord, we know that we would fail. But, Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, we have been assured of victory through him. We have been given his righteousness, his perfect and sinless life has been given to us, imputed to us, so that we can stand firm against Satan's attacks and accusations. We thank you for the belt of truth, for the truth of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for us and who we are in Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to stand firm in the truth. We offer ourselves to you, Lord Jesus, and we thank you for your love for us. In your name, amen.